All right, turn your Bibles to where we were this morning. Go to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue on the theme of a servant's spirit and a servant's heart. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 19 down through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> we looked at the necessity this morning of a servant's spirit. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the characteristics, and we're going to see how they're exemplified in uh, two particular young men that Paul had uh, uh, selected out to, to uh, do a specific task. Let's all stand together, if you would. And you read along silently as I read aloud, beginning in verse 19. It says, but, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, and not the things which are, are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Let's bow for prayer. Father, it's good to be here together tonight. Lord, we're so thankful for being able to assemble again those many weeks where we were not allowed to uh, have everyone here together. Uh, it was tough. It, it was, it was not, not a, a pleasant thing. But we're thankful for how you provided for us and you took care of us and you allowed us to, to live stream and the, the word of God still got out and it ended up getting to some people that normally wouldn't have gotten the word of God. And so we're thankful for that. We pray, Lord, that tonight that you would still our hearts and help us to focus on your word. Uh, Father, we pray that you'd help us to see in these two young men, the, uh, the examples that they were and the characteristics that they had that uh, show forth a very submissive uh, servant's heart and servant's spirit. We ask God that you would work in our hearts tonight. Help us, God, to be honest before you. May we take a look at these characteristics and just ask you, Lord, do those things reside in me? Are those things that are true of me? And God, if they aren't, we pray that you'd help us to have some resolve in our hearts to, uh, to, to take those characteristics and make them a part of our personal character so that we can be a better servant for you. We pray, pray that you would watch over this, this service and speak to our hearts tonight. 
We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. These two fellows, Timothy and Epaphroditus, were examples of, of a servant's spirit, a servant's heart. Paul had, had no one in Rome that he could send to, to the church of Philippi that would really care for the people there. Uh, but these two men could, and he knew these two men, and these two men had proved themselves in the past. And what they exhibited was really what we studied this morning in, in particular areas, a, a, very, uh, a very submissive servant's spirit. We're gonna take a look at seven different characteristics that we find in these two men. The first one in verse 19, says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Tim Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. He, he sent Timothy because Timothy was trustworthy. He was trustworthy. It would reassure Paul when Timothy got there because he knew that he would take care of things. He knew that, that uh, uh, he, he could not only send him to do a task, but he would be assured that that task would be completed. Uh, sometimes we send people to a task to, to complete a task, and sometimes it ends up being more problems than it ends up being an assurance to our hearts because they're not trustworthy. You, you're not sure exactly what they're going to do. That wasn't Timothy. Timothy was, if, if Paul asked him to go to a job, he fulfilled that job and that responsibility to a T. Uh, a person could have all kinds of talents, they, could have, they can have abilities, but they can mess things up because they have their own agenda. They have their own ideas of what they need to do. Uh, a servant always has the master's agenda, not their own agenda. You know, uh, that's something that we need to, need to constantly keep in front of us. I know every, every weekend when I, when I have the opportunity to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night, one of the biggest concerns I have throughout the week is, Lord, I want to make sure that I preach exactly what you'd have me to preach. Now, it's easy for, for my own feelings, for my own thoughts to get in there. And it's true with you when it comes to the things that God would have you to do. It's easy for those things to get in there. Uh, a, a person who has a servant's heart is very cognizant of that. And a person that has a servant's heart says, I don't want to do my agenda. I want, don't want to do what I think is important. I want to make sure that I feel, fulfill the master's agenda. And not just God's, but the person that you're working under. And they, in the case of Paul and, and Timothy, Timothy was subservient to Paul. Paul was his human authority. And, and uh, he knew that he could send Timothy to carry out the ministry as he desired. And he would give him things to do, and he knew that they would get done exactly that way. Back years ago, um, Bill Calabretta, who we supported for years down in Ithaca, uh, he, he was, was here in between ministries. And he was here for about, I want to say a year, maybe a year and a half. And uh, I, I, I took advantage of that from the standpoint that when, when I left to go somewhere, I knew he was a seasoned preacher, and so I would ask, I would ask Brother Calabretta to, to, to fill in for me and to preach. I found out something that I didn't know right away. And he, 
he never said anything. I don't remember exactly how it came out. But uh, whenever he would fill in for me, he would never sit in that seat. Now, I never told him not to do that. I don't care whether somebody sits in that seat or not. But, but he, he said, no, that's the preacher's seat. He said, I'll sit elsewhere, and then when it's time for me to preach, I'll preach. But I'm not going to sit there because that's the preacher's seat. Now, again, I, I don't feel that way. If you want to go ahead and sit in that seat, help yourself. But that revealed a lot about Bill. That revealed a ton about it. He didn't want to, to, to push his own agenda. He wanted to be an extension of what was already going on around here. And that's a person that has a servant's heart. A person that doesn't have a servant's heart, when they slip into a position, they say, well, I'm going to do things this way. Well, hang on. You know, is that the, is that the flavor of, of the ministry? You go into a, you, you substitute in a Sunday school class. Uh, are you doing what you want to do, or are you doing what you believe the teacher would have you to do, that you're substituting for, so that you can be a blessing and an encouragement and a help to that class? Another, another uh, characteristic that we find down in verse 21 says, For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ. I'm sorry, 20 and 21 says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Uh, the second characteristic of a, of a person with a, servant, servant, a good servant spirit is that they have proper desires. It was, it was second nature for him to care for others. Timothy had a, a caring heart, and it wasn't a forced thing. It wasn't something that he, that he had to make himself do. It was something that was, was just a part of who he was. And he, he was the way he was because he sought the things which were Christ first. Uh, you know, I, I believe that, I believe Timothy lived by Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the truth is, you're either going to be a Philippians 1.21 Christian. Look with me over there. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or you're going to be a Philippians 2.21 Christian. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. There's really no in-between. You'll either seek your own, your own things or you'll seek the things which are of God and the things that would please him. Whether or not your service for others is, is acceptable is, is determined by your heart, by your motive. The reason why Paul uh, w could send Timothy with, with absolutely no hesitation is because he knew his heart was in the right place. He knew he loved God. He knew he loved the people that he was about to minister to. A selfish Christian wants to know what you can do for them. Uh, they get easily offended when they're not treated properly. Um, one of the, one of the uh, reasons I've heard people over the years to uh, uh, switch ministries is uh, going from church to church to church. There's two things I've heard. One is, I'm not being fed. Well, you know what? First of all, if you're, if you're old in the Lord, you ought to be learning how to feed yourself a little bit. Amen? But uh, then the, the second thing is, I'm not being ministered to. 
And, and I, I find this, and I've, I've, I've had this happen quite a few times since I've been here, and, and that is I, I get phone calls, and people will say, well, well, Pastor, what does your church offer? I think it's important for, for a church to minister. I think it's important for a church to, to uh, offer ministries. Up until recently, we had a full-blown children's ministry. And, and I think that's important. And I think we ought to do that. But that's not the attitude that a person ought to be looking to for a church. They ought to be looking at not what can I get, but what can I give? How can I be a blessing? How can I be a help? Just recently... Uh, I say recently, within the past few years, Steve Boots started a, a, a church in Richmond, Virginia. And my brother-in-law got, got, got word of that, and he went and visited him and really enjoyed, enjoyed his ministry. The two of them kind of hit it off. And he was going to another church in town, and he went to his preacher. And John did, and he says, preacher, he says, there's a young man in town starting a church. He says, I think he needs some help. He says, my dad was in the ministry. Uh, I'm familiar with the ministry. I've been in the ministry myself. I've been a missionary to uh, over, overseas and to Romania. And uh, he said, uh, I think I could be a help and a blessing to him and uh, be a help to the church. And they both prayed about it and they decided that it was God's will. And so, so he went. He did not go to Brother Boots Church because of what that church had to offer him. He went because he wanted to be a blessing. He wanted to be a, a servant. In fact, while I was, while I was there, I had, I had dinner with him. And uh, in fact, he told me he was going to buy me dinner. So we met at a restaurant and uh, we, we walked in and he was in full uniform because he'd just gotten off of duty. And we sat down and we went ahead and ordered and we, uh, he went to, to pay and they said, no, no, you're a policeman. I appreciate that. And uh, he said, I'm kind of surprised they did that because I had you with me and you were in plain clothes and so forth. And, uh, and I said, well, maybe they thought I was your prisoner. You know, they were probably, probably looking for the handcuffs or something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but, but he, he had the opportunity to take me to the church building that they're presently renting. They, God gave them a great building, just a, a tremendous building. And uh, it's, got, it's a good location, it's a good spot. And uh, it's, for, for that area, it's a, it's a really good price per month. And, and he was just, he was all excited. He, you'd have thought he was the preacher. But he was excited about it because it was, it's, it's a ministry to him. It's not just, it's not just Brother Boots' ministry. It's, it's the ministry that he can serve in. And that's the kind of desire that Timothy had. He had a desire to want to serve the Lord. He wasn't looking to see what others could give to him. He looked to see what he could give to others. And, and a serving Christian wants to know what they can do to help the spiritual condition of other people. Look with me down in verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter 2. There's another characteristic. Verse 22 says, But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father... He hath served me in the gospel. Now, a son with a father, what's he talking about? He's telling him tell that, that he has a submissive spirit. He has proved himself already under a man. What was the proof? Because it says he's proved himself. What did he say was the proof of Timothy's ministry? Was it the number of converts he had? 
No. Was it the, uh, uh, his, his personal uh, developed talents and abilities? No. Was it how, how good he could preach? That isn't what he brought up. Uh, it, it, it wasn't the, uh, the great church buildings that he built, the great congregations that he led. The thing that he pointed out to be proof of his ministry was how well he served under him. If I want to, if I want to see if someone's worth, worth their salt, I don't see how well they can lead first. I see how well they can follow. Because a good follower can become a good leader. A bad follower always, always becomes a bad leader. And I've watched it. I've seen it over and over and over again. Uh, Timothy was in submission to the Apostle Paul under his ministry. Go with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And in Acts 16, look with me in the first, well, the first three verses. Acts 16, verses 1 and 2 says, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. And this is the Timotheus that we're looking at. The son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, when he first met him, Timothy had a good report. What does that mean? That means he was already faithful. By the way, you know who you look for to fill positions? You don't look for people that are doing nothing. You look for people that are already doing something and are faithful in doing it. One of the mistakes that, that uh, I made early on in, in ministry was putting people into position because of their talents and abilities more than their faithfulness. And what you want is you want somebody who's faithful. You want someone who has a, a submissive spirit to God and to those that they serve under. And that was the case with Timothy. He already had that reputation. Then look down in verse, verse 3. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which are in those quarters. For they knew all, the, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, he was, obviously, because of what he was willing to do, he was willing to get circumcised even as a, as a young man. Uh, he was willing to be in sub subjection and in submission to, to the Apostle Paul. He showed no aspirations of trying to take Paul's job. He showed no aspirations of trying to be better than Paul was. Uh, Timothy was a good pastor because he was first a good associate. You know, I, I, I get concerned when I see guys coming right out of Bible college or whatever kind of training that they take or get, and they immediately look for a pastoral position. I, I, I think that's unwise. And uh, I've, I've noticed more and more that uh, young men coming out of institutions or coming out of training are looking more to serve first than they are to lead first. I think that's wise. I think that's a good thing. Uh, you have to prove yourself first. And uh, many today just want to jump right in and, and take, take, a, take a leadership position. Back years ago, 
there was a preacher by the name of Mel Sabaka, and he, Mel Sabaka made a real uh, impact in my life. There were just some things that he said, and I, he was never my pastor, he was never my, my youth pastor or anything like that, but uh, at the church I was going to in Rochester, they, were, they had him in often, in the, particularly in that first year and a half that I was saved. And uh, I remember him, him saying specifically to, to me and to, to my friend Bob Hart, who were going to Bible, getting ready to go to Bible college and to train in the ministry. He said this, he says, don't, don't ever use the associate pastor or the youth pastor position as a stepping stone to the pastorate. Now, he could say that, you know why? Because he spent, oh, I don't know how many years. I, I want to say it was close to 30 years as a, as a college and career director before he ever went to start a church. And uh, uh, he, was, he was perfectly content in that position. He said, listen, he said, fellas, don't use one position to be a stepping stone for another position. Use that position to serve God with all your heart, whatever position it is. And that, that's really true, not just of pastors and associates, but of anybody who's in a position. Use that, use that opportunity that you have to serve God and to serve others and to be a blessing. Uh, Timothy received two things that were absolutely indispensable underneath the Apostle Paul. Number one, he got on-the-job experience. And number two, he got personal instruction. He got both. He was instructed personally, and, and he had some on-the-job training, some on-the-job experience. Now think about this. If you have experience without instruction, what does that breed? Well, it breeds frustration, and it breeds disappointment. If you have instruction without experience, that breeds pride, deadness, and idealism. Uh, I've, I've watched guys that, that have uh, had a lot of instruction, they have a lot of knowledge, but they have very, very little experience. But I'll tell you what, they can tell everybody else who's been in it for years just exactly how it ought to be done. Uh, that's, that's, that, that ends up wreaking disaster and wreaking destruction. Uh, we, need to, we need to make sure that uh, we have both, that we have experience as, as God leads us, guides us, and directs us, and then, and then that we have personal instruction in, in how to do whatever job it is that God has, has uh, called us to do. In, in the Bible, uh, you find that a, a, a son uh, served with the father. Uh, he served with the father until either God told him to go in the same direction that his father went, as far as vocation goes, or... He led him in a different direction. But until he knew specifically what it was, the direction that he was to, to, to go, uh, he was to serve with his father. And, and though Paul was not the physical father of Timothy, he really became his spiritual father because he was the one that, that gave him much instruction in the ministry. And uh, he served under him. He served under him. You know, Jesus did this with the disciples. Jesus taught them how to do things. Then he showed them how to do things. Then he did things with them. And then he sent them out. Uh, when, when we have the opportunity to uh, be a blessing and a help to someone who's coming up the ranks. By the way, I have watched this in our church over and over and over again. 
I've watched uh, the people that have been more experienced take the people that are less experienced, that are just coming into an area, and, and train them and teach them. I've seen some successes, and I've seen some absolute total flops. And you know what makes a difference? It's the servant's heart. If you've got, you got a servant's heart, if, if you've got a heart that wants to learn, a heart that wants to serve, not necessarily one that wants to lead, uh, then, then God will be able to mold you and make you into the person that he wants you to be. Um, you know, one of the things, when, when God called me to pastor, and that was back, oh, many, many moons ago, and I was back in, in uh, Green Bay, and God was making it, in one day, God was making it very evident to me that uh, there was a possibility that he was leading me to pastor a church. And I didn't have any idea of, any, of what church he'd have me to pastor. But I was perfectly content to be an associate pastor for the rest of my life. In fact, that's what I was planning on doing. And, uh, uh, you know, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I'm, I'm not going to move unless you make it absolutely clear to me. Well, he did. He made it clear to me through, through several, different, uh, several different ways. But, uh, but I was happy to stay right where I was. Uh, don't constantly be uh, aspiring to uh, take someone else's position or to get in a, in a higher place. Listen, if, if you have a humble spirit, and, you, and we looked at this this morning, if you have a humble spirit, if you have a servant's heart, let God exalt you to that place. Uh, one of the biggest disasters is watching, watching people exalt themselves into positions that God never, never desired for them to have. You don't want to do that. Uh, don't, you know, have in the forefront of your mind, I want to be a blessing to God first. Then I want to be a blessing to others second. And because of, of uh, Timothy's submissive spirit and sweet spirit that he had and servant's heart that he had, Paul was anxious to send him to Philippi. Now, look with me down in verse 25. Here's the, here's the fourth characteristic. Verse 25. And now we, we shift gears and we go from Timotheus to Epaphroditus. Verse 25 says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. A person with a, with a servant spirit has a desire to fulfill the needs and desires of others. They look to, to, to fill the needs and desires that others have. Epaphroditus was a Gentile, and he was from the Philippian church. And Paul had a, a five-fold description here of Epaphroditus. and shows why he was so valuable. Number one, he said, he's my brother. That means he had fellowship with him. That means that they had a strong spiritual connection. Uh, he said, he's my companion in labor. That means he wasn't afraid to work. And he was, he was uh, quick to want to help someone else's ministry succeed. Number three, he said that he, was a, he called him a fellow soldier. That means he fought battles with him. Uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you're serving God, there's battles you're going to fight. And, uh, and he, fought, he, he fought some battles and stood shoulder to shoulder with the Apostle Paul. Anybody can, can stick it out when things are going smooth. 
Anybody can stick it out when there's no ripples and there's no conflicts. But when the ripples and the conflicts come, that really shows what you're made out of. Do you stick with it and do you stick with the individual? That may, maybe that individual, maybe it's not just the ministry that's attacked, maybe it's the individual you're serving under that is attacked. Do you, do you stick with them and fight shoulder to shoulder? He, he, was a, he was a man that obviously because he was a good soldier, he was able to endure hardness. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Epaphroditus was a good soldier. He's also called your messenger. You know what that means? That means he was a delivery boy. And he didn't mind doing that. He, in fact, he, he, uh, he, he enjoyed just doing whatever was necessary in order to serve the Lord. He was willing to do even the menial tasks, your messenger. And then he said, Paul said, he's my minister. Uh, he served Paul. What Paul needed and what Paul wanted, he was there to help him and to be a blessing to him. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite stories in Scripture along those lines is in 1 Samuel chapter 23. It's when David had th three particular mighty men. You go through that chapter and it talks about all the various different mighty men that he had and the various tasks that they did. But he says there was one group of three men that, that uh, really topped all of them. And the, these three guys were guys that were in the battle with David, and they just overheard David say something. He said, he said oh, I'd love to have a drink from Bethlehem's well. Uh, I, 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 I thirst, and it would be good and refreshing to have that. They overheard that. It was not an order. It was not something he asked them to do. He just voiced his desire. They picked up on it. And they went to Bethlehem's well. They got him water, and that was in the forefront of the battle. They got him water. They brought it back to him. When, in fact, the first time I read this, I thought, well, this is weird. This is strange. He took the, he took the water, and he refused to drink it. And he took it, and he poured it on the ground. Now, he did that because he said he wasn't worthy of, of drinking that water because that water represented the blood of those men. They were willing to risk their lives for David so that just he could have what he desired. Again, it was not an order. It was not something that he told them that he had to do. It was something that he just desired, and they, they, they wanted to fulfill the desires of their leader. And uh, a person who, who uh, has a servant's heart desires, you know, a wife should look to, to meet the desires of her husband. A, uh, a, a child ought to look to meet the, the desires uh, of, of their parents. A, uh, a assistant Sunday school teacher ought to look to meet the desires and the needs of their teacher. And it goes right on down the line. Uh, that works at your, at your workplace. Uh, you, ought to, you ought to work to make your boss look good. You ought to work in such a way to, to, to fulfill the desires and fulfill the needs that your boss has. Why? Not so that you can, you know, not so that you can look good in their eyes, his or her eyes, whoever it might be. 
but so that you can minister to them. And that was, that was Epaphroditus' uh, heart and his desire was to just minister to the Apostle Paul. Look at another characteristic down in verse 26. It says, For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Now, this is, this is kind of un unusual. He hurt when other people hurt, and they hurt because he hurt. <laughs> uh, he was sick. And in fact, he was so sick, it almost killed him. And the people heard about it and were extremely bothered by that fact, and they hurt for him. And when he heard that they hurt because they knew that he was hurting, he hurt for their hurt. He's saying, listen, I don't like to see people hurting in any, in any way, shape, manner, or form. And he was bothered when he found out that the church of Philippi knew that he was sick, and they hurt because of that. A person who has a servant's heart hurts when other people hurt. Uh, to go along with that, you also rejoice when other people rejoice. Uh, you, uh, you get concerned when other people get concerned. You have, a, you have a sympathetic and an empathetic heart. Sixth characteristic, look down in verses 27 down through 30. It says, for indeed, he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Sixth characteristic of someone with a, with a servant's heart, with a servant's spirit, is that they're dedicated. They're willing to work for Christ even to the point of death. And this was Epaphroditus. He was willing to do whatever it was necessary, even if it meant his own life. He was willing to sustain personal loss in the, in the service for Christ. Uh, what, you know, a good question to ask ourselves is what, what would it take to discourage us from serving the Lord? What would it take to stop, and for some folks it wouldn't take anything because they're not doing anything in the first place. But if you're doing anything at all for God, what would it take for you to stop? Would it take, you know, for some folks, it, it takes just a headache to keep them out of doing something for God. Now, I'm not talking about a, a, a you know, a brain-beaten migraine. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about a little pain. Uh, it, it, it might uh, take some other little physical malady to keep them from serving God. It might, might take unfair treatment. Uh, you know, and I've watched this. I've, I've seen this over the years. Well, I don't like what somebody said, and I don't like what somebody did, and so we're going to find another church. And, and in, in most of those cases, if not all of them, uh, since I've been here, I, I, I've gone to those folks and I've said, listen, I'll be willing to go with you. Let's get this thing resolved. You know what? In almost every case, they've said, nope, don't want to. Well, you know, you know what they just revealed? They revealed that they don't really have a servant's heart. A, a servant's heart wants to see things taken care of and won't let little things like that stop them. Uh, it, it could be just a disagreement that'll stop you or a personal hurt 
uh, financial loss, a tragedy, death of a loved one, uh, physical difficulty. Uh, you know, with, with Epaphroditus, it was the possibility of death, and yet he would not even let that stop him from serving God and serving others. And then the, the last characteristic, we see this at the end of verse 30. Verse 30 says, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. What that means is, is that the Philippians went through a time period where they weren't able to be a blessing and be a help just because of some physical circumstances to, to the Apostle Paul. And so Epaphroditus went ahead and jumped into the gap and filled that, that gap, that lack of ministry. Uh, it says, to supply your lack of service toward me. He was a gap filler. A gap filler is a person who, when they see, they, they see that there's a need somewhere. It may be their responsibility. It may not be their responsibility. But they see that there is a need there. Then they go ahead and they, they, they do everything they can to fulfill that need. They're willing to fill the gap for others. They're ready at a moment's notice. Uh, you don't need to give them a whole lot of heads up. They see the need needs to be fulfilled and they're willing to step in. They're willing to, a servant's heart will be willing to shift schedule in order to, to fit the need. And they'll be willing to be flexible. Uh, one of the things that I've had to learn in the ministry and in my Christian life, period, is just to be flexible. One of the, one of the uh, uh, first steps that God took me through to teach me just to be ready at a moment's notice don't gripe about it. Don't, don't decide whether you want to or not want to. If there's a need there, you take it. You, take, you step in. You step into the gap. I, I went, uh, I'd only been saved for about a year and a half. And uh, we took a, a, a SMITE trip. Uh, SMITE stands for Summer Missionary Intern Training for Evangelism. And uh, we went up to Milltown, New Brunswick. And what, what the situation was up there was there's a missionary up there. He had a church, and he wanted to have VBS. And there were a bunch of, of closed little, little church buildings up in, that, up in that area. And he was able to get, a, get occupancy for a short, you know, just for a week of those church buildings. And we took a, a, quite a large team. I believe it was two, two full buses of, uh, of kids up to Milltown, New Brunswick. And it was two different churches that, that got together to do it. And it was the uh, young people in the church, the teenagers, and also the college and career. And then there were also some other couples that came along to help. And uh, uh, what, what, one, of the, one of the sayings for that week was absolutely, one of, the, one of the commands of that week was absolutely no griping at all. You're told to do something, to shut up and get it done. Uh, I went up there, never taught a class a day in my life, and I was told, you're going to teach the teenagers and such and such. A I, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> I've never done this before. I'm not experienced uh, at it. And, uh, but, but Brother Modlish, he was the one that was running that whole, whole deal. And he said, look, he says, just do what you're asked to do. I remember we were going up and down the, the hills of New England, and uh, we had a diesel bus that they had just bought that week, and it was a used bus. 
and they didn't know the good things and the bad things about the bus. And the bottom line is the bus broke down. And I'll never forget, all of us guys were, were uh, instructed to get out of the bus, go to the back of the bus outside, and push the bus up a hill. Not exactly something I wanted to do. But you know what? You know what I learned in that whole trip? Because that whole trip was like that. Uh, there was just automatic, immediate needs that just had to be filled by somebody. And uh, again, the, the motto of the week was, it was no griping. We used to call it no gripping. Uh, no, you know, no gripping. Uh, you can't gripe. You can't grip. You can't, you can't complain. Uh, why? Because if there's something that needs to be done, just be quiet, jump in the gap, and get it done. And that's the kind of person that Epaphroditus was. These two fellas had servants' hearts. Timothy and Epaphroditus had a, had a servant spirit. They were trustworthy men. They were reliable. They were dependable. They, were, they had proper desires. You know, I, I really believe that Timothy lived by the desire of doing everything for God's pleasure and for Paul's pleasure. In that order, obviously. God first, and then Paul second, but he wanted to be a blessing. Uh, third characteristic is, is a submissive spirit. Uh, just, just be willing to do what needs to be done. Uh, fulfilling the needs and desires of others. That's what a servant does. Hurts when other people are hurting. And rejoices when other people rejoice. Uh, was dedicated. And they, they, they filled gaps when it was necessary. Now here's a question. Is that your spirit? You look down through that list of being trustworthy, proper desires, submissive spirit, fulfills the needs and desires of others, hurts when others are hurting, dedicated, fills gaps. Say, oh, I'm, I struggle with one or two of those things. All right, are you willing tonight to bring those things to God and say, God, my desire is to have a servant's spirit. I want to have those things in my life. God, would you please give me the strength and give me the help to develop those characteristics in my life so I can have a servant's heart, so I can have a servant's spirit, so I can please you and be a blessing to others. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, Lord, uh, throughout the years of my Christian life, up to this very moment. Probably one of the things that you work on me all the time about is having a servant's heart. And it's important for us to have a servant's spirit in order to, first of all, to serve and please you, and second of all, to be a blessing to other people. Lord, uh, when we have our own agenda, when we have our own desires, and that's all we focus on, uh, Lord, it, uh, it does not, first of all, please you, and second of all, meet the needs of others. I pray that you'd use these verses and use this message tonight to work in our hearts. Help us to see, and, and be honest with you tonight, Lord, help us to see the areas where we lack some of those characteristics. And help us to determine tonight that we want to see those, those areas built up in our lives. Lord, there's not a one of us that's going to have it all together until, 
until the trumpet sounds and we see you face to face. Then we'll have it all together. But we certainly should have a desire right now to be better servants for you. God, as we give the invitation tonight, I pray that you'd really touch our hearts and help us just to be dedicated to want to serve you and please you with all of our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. And as the piano begins to play...